You have no idea how high I can fly. Welcome in, Flying High fans, uh, and anyone who listens to this podcast. It's been a while. Uh, this is Justin here with you today. Uh, no Pete. We are uh, just shooting from the hip today, so to speak. Um, like I said, been a while. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, end of the school year has been kicking my butt. Uh, and I know Pete's been uh, busy with some things going on in his life. He's getting ready to move, I think, back to the Philly area, which is pretty cool. Um, so we're, we've been discussing getting uh, possibly a, an actual studio together where we can be in the same room. And, and that would be pretty great. But I've just had the itch to, with everything going on, to, to jump on. And like I said, just shoot from the hip and, and I guess sound off about a lot of things that are going on in Philadelphia right now, some good, most of it not so good, really, if we're being honest, Uh, most of it not so good in terms, especially if we're talking about the Phillies. Um, You know, so what I would like to do today is talk a little bit of Phillies, talk a little bit about what's been going on with the Flyers. And uh, you will touch on a little bit of Sixers as well. Not too much going on with the Eagles. Um, So really, I guess this this would be mostly a, you know, a two sports sound off today. And I guess I'd like to start with, let's start with the Flyers. Why not? Um, So a lot been going on with the Flyers, I think, since we last had a podcast and talked about that. Um, The Flyers in in the last couple of weeks have traded for the rights to Kevin Hayes, a center uh, who played with the New York Rangers and was playing with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, They signed him to a contract before the free agent period started. So when you trade for a player's rights uh, before he becomes a free agent, you you get exclusive negotiation rights to that player. Um, So it's sort of like uh, you get you know, a little bit of, of time to, to convince the player to sign before he becomes a free agent. Now, a lot of times those guys do end up becoming free agents, but you make that move to give yourself a leg up. And then you make that move also because you have a pretty good idea that you're going to be able to sign the player. A lot of things worked out in the Flyers favor there. Uh, they have Elaine Vigneault, who is uh, someone who Kevin Hayes uh, played under in New York. And, you know, Kevin Hayes said himself, he said, you know, the, the Flyers have a lot of pieces and it's it's a it's an up and coming team, essentially, is what he said. Um, now, a lot of people, I think, you know, if you look on Twitter and you look around um, the hockey community, I think this was a move that most people liked on the surface until the term was announced, until Chuck Fletcher went ahead and actually made the deal happen. Um, they didn't give up anything to acquire his rights. Uh, they gave up a fifth round pick to acquire his rights. So, you know, a fifth round pick in hockey is, you know, those those guys most, mostly never pan out. So that, not a big deal there. Um, then Chuck Fletcher signed him to seven years, $7.14 million, $50 million all told. And I'll fully admit when I saw that, total number. I was concerned. I saw $50 million and I said, holy crap, that's a lot of money for a second line center, um, a 55 point player. You know, that's, that's approaching, you know, $50 million. You think, you know, you're, you're approaching elite tier. Now I will say this, this is what you get with free agency though. This is what happens in free agency. You overpay for players. Now, did the Flyers overpay by a lot? After sleeping on it, I don't think so. I don't think they overpaid by a lot. He was going to get 6.5. Was he, A lot of people figured he was going to get six years, 6.5. He ended up getting seven years, 7.14. So they paid an extra half a million for him. That's not a deal breaker in the end. And the Flyers have the cap space to do it. They filled the biggest need that they have on their team, which was depth down the middle. Um, Nolan Patrick was is just not ready to be that second line center yet. Now 
you can throw him on the third line, give him less minutes and let him uh, get some chemistry together with Oscar Lindblom. And hopefully they bring in a, a, a bottom six right wing uh, for that line. And now you get a top six that is much, much better or, or on paper. At least you have a top six of Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek, Travis Konechny, James Van Riemsdyk and Kevin Hayes. And that's pretty darn good. Uh, Kevin Hayes, uh, again, he was a 55-point player last season with two teams. Um, he's a big boy at six point. He's 6'5". Uh, so he's a 6'5 center. He, he plays a 200-foot game. Um, and, you know, he's defensively responsible. So now you have Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes, two defensively responsible forwards who could score. And that's just what the Flyers haven't had. They've lacked depth in that top six. And, and, and they... If you watch highlights of Kevin Hayes, he, he's he's a pretty impressive player when he's firing on all cylinders. So the Flyers did they over they overpaid? Yes, but you're going to overpay all the time in free agency. I don't think that the deal. And when you look at the breakdown of the deal too, <clears throat> it's not uh, you know you think. My other thought was well they're going to be paying seven million dollars essentially towards the end of that the last three years of that contract. You're going to be paying him to be a third line player. Uh, because the hope is that in two to three years, Pat Nolan Patrick ascends to the to that second line center position. That's why they drafted him. He's the future at center of this team behind Sean Couturier. Um, but when you actually look at the breakdown of the contract, it's it's not it's not a terrible cap hit towards the end. Uh, I think in two of those final three years, he gets three and a half million dollars signing bonus, and with a cap hit of only three and a half million. So that's not too bad at all. Um, you know, contracts like that can, can, can become an albatross, um, if the player drops off and Hayes is only 27. So he, you know, he'll be 34 by the end of the contract should still be a, uh, a contributing player. It, it's, it's a good deal for the flyers. Um, the hope is that, that he comes here with a better coaching staff and with a better supporting role or better supporting cast than he had in. New York, Winnipeg was a pretty good team, but he he gets some some second line minutes here. I'll probably end up on one of the power plays to stick him in front of the net. I think this is a good move for the Flyers. Now, um, the Flyers also went out and grabbed. Um, oh, now I'm now now I'm blanking on the name. They grabbed uh, a uh, two defensemen. They grabbed they traded for Matt Niskanen, so they traded Radko Gudis to Washington, to the Washington Capitals, um, for Matt Niskanen, they took on a higher salary in, in Matt Niskanen, who's making about 5.75, I believe, 5.75 million. Um, uh, and they retained 30% of Gudis's salary. So that to me was a little bit of a head scratching move. Um, I, I still am not quite sure what Fletcher obviously likes Matt Niskanen. Um, and this is in 2017, he's a very good player for the, for the Washington Capitals, helping them win a Stanley Cup. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I think we have to kind of wait and see with this move. I, I'm not quite sure where I stand with this move yet. Um, all projections have Niskanen playing on the top line with Ivan Provorov. If he signs, that's another thing we'll have to get to. Um I think if he returns to form, then he could be he could be very good. I mean, he could be very good with the Flyers. Obviously, that's the veteran guy that Chuck Fletcher was looking for, um, and they got him. But I just I I worry that the the cost was a little bit too much. I I you know taking on a, a heftier contract is one thing, but taking retaining salary from Gudis, that's the that was kind of the head scratching move to me and and I guess if you really want a player uh you know you'll prove to another organization that the how badly you want him by by doing things like that so Fletcher clearly wanted um Niskanen on the team and and I'll tell you why in a, in a minute but they what they also did was they went out and traded for Justin Braun from the Sharks that's the guy who was blanking on uh Justin Braun 32 year old same age as Niskanen, veteran guy, um, strong stay-at-home defenseman. Uh, he, he's not not 
the world's best puck mover. He's not a guy who's going to bring the puck out of the zone. Um, you're going to need to pair him with someone like Sanheim for that. And I, I, I think what you're looking at here now is if you take a look at what the Flyers have on defense, you kind of can see what they're doing. They've got three left. First off, they've got three left-handed and three right-handed guys. Okay. Which is, that's rare that you can get that kind of breakdown. Secondly, now you've got three young supposed, or I guess you could say four young studs, and then you've got two vets. Okay. So you worry about maybe the decline with Justin Braun and, or you worry about the, the puck possession numbers with Justin Braun, which don't grade out very well. And then you look at Niskanen who's coming off a down year, but you're pairing them with Ivan Provorov and Travis Sanheim who are two guys who should take a leap this year. So you're hoping that not only do those guys bring some veteran leadership in and help those uh, those two youngsters to to take a leap, but you're also kind of now hoping that the, the young guys will kind of help the, the veterans grade out a little better in puck possession metrics. And then in the third pair, you've got Shane Gossespierre and Phil Myers slash Robert Hag slash Samuel Moran. So that is the, the biggest question that I have right now is you've got eight defensemen. You can't carry eight guys and you're not going to carry eight guys for an entire season. So it seems like someone is on the outs. To me, it would be Robert Hag. I would not trade Shane Goss to spare. I just wouldn't do it. Uh, I know that you're paying $25 million to your defense right now, but you're not going to win that trade. And you, if, if you trade Shane Gosses Bear right now, he, he has an, an, an amazing cap hit. He's only making $4 million. That is a value def, That is a value contract for a guy that has shown that he can be a, a two. Um, I don't think you can call him a one because of his defensive, um, you know, his, his lack of defense at times. But that's not what you get with Shane Gosses Bear. With, with Shane Gosses Bear, you get elite puck handling skills in offense. Okay, that's what you get with him. And the trade-off, yes, is that he's not as good on defense. And he's not a huge guy to where he can make up for that. But Shane Gossesbear took it on the chin last year. He had a bad year, but so did Ivan Provorov. Name me, name me one person besides Sean Couturier and, and Claude Drew that had a good year on the Flyers last year. So we, we you know, sh- all these trade rumors are going around about Shane Gossesbear. And it's like, I, I just think we need to pump the brakes with that. I... I I don't think it benefits the Flyers in any way to trade him. Unless you're getting a top six right wing or something like that. I mean, if you're trading him for a bottom six right wing, that that makes even less sense. You're weakening your defense. And I know that you have to bring in someone for the, for the, the bottom six still. And I think Chuck Fletcher will do that. I would not trade Shane, would not trade Shane Goss's bear for that. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with the defense yet. Sorry, that's my dog. She agrees that you should not sh- trade Shane Gossespierre. All right, pipe down you. Okay. Um, no, I would not trade Shane Gossespierre. And I think that, I think Chuck Fletcher is definitely going to be listening, but I really hope that he doesn't because if you keep the defense, so maybe maybe they trade Robert Haig. Um, that's a good top six defense. If Phil Myers takes a leap, if Ivan Provorov returns to the guy that we know he can be, if Shane Gossespierre, maybe you give him less minutes and less responsibility and just let him attack. And then if Justin Braun and Matt Niskanen bring that veteran leadership and do what they have to do and and um, they're not, they don't continue to, I guess, decline. I mean, and then Travis Sanheim takes a leap. I mean, this defense could be formidable. It really could. So, no, um, I like. I think I like where the defense is at right now, um, and I I wouldn't do much other than figure out who you want to get rid of out. You know, in in that grouping of Moran, Hag, and I guess Gossespierre, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It would to me. It would be between Moran and Hag. Um, Moran has been a guy who we've been, we've been seemingly waiting for forever. No one really knows what he is at this point. He's he's a big. Guy who should be, he grades out as a six or a seven. Um, and that's just because we don't know what he is. Uh, Hag, same thing. You know, he shouldn't be used more than a six and a seven. So you've got two guys who could be a six or a seven. Um, and you can't keep both of them. So 
I'm not quite sure what the Flyers will do there. Uh, so that that that's kind of where the Flyers are. But if you look, so if you look now where the Flyers stand going into free agency, and it's it's July 21st, and so July or it's, excuse me, it's June 21st, 22nd. I clearly don't know what day it is. July 1st will open up free agency, and that's kind of when things get crazy. It's not going to be that kind of year though, because most of the most of the good players are off the market. Um, really, the only guy that's left. The only guys that are left are Matt Duchesne and, and Artemi Panarin that are high profile. I guess you could throw Sergei Bobrovsky in there as well. But Eric Carlson signed with the Sharks, eight years, $11 million. Um, who else? Uh, there was a couple other uh, free agents that we, we, Kevin Hayes, second best center on the market is, is gone. Um, so it wasn't a huge free agent year to begin with. So it's not going to be that firework year, I think. And the draft uh, was last night. We'll talk about that in a second. And there weren't a ton of, of player trades that went on. And, and again, player trades can still happen in the second and third rounds. But um, it wasn't most, most every team just drafted, drafted a player. Um, so if you look, I'll talk about the draft. Let's look, let's talk about the, where the flyers stack up right now. So now, like I said, you have a top six. On offense, you have a top six of Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux, uh, Travis Konechny, Jake Voracek, Kevin Hayes, and James Van Riemsdyk. Pretty good top six. Your bottom six, um, you know, you're looking at Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom with a big question mark on that right side. Uh, That could be Morgan Frost. That could be Joel Farabee. I don't think it's going to be Farabee. I think Frost has a much better shot at it. Um, unless they go out and get a player in free agency. And then the bottom, the fourth line, you're looking at Hartman, Raffle, and Scott Lawton. Uh, pretty good fourth line. So I think they just need to figure out the third line. It's a, it's a better lineup on paper than it was last year. Defense, you have, the way it's looking to me is that you'd have a, a, a first pairing of Ivan Provorov and Matt Niskanen. You'd have a second pairing of Travis Sanheim and Justin Braun, and then a third pairing of ideally Shane Gostaspare and Phil Myers, with your seventh to being either Haig or Moran. Um, they bought out Andrew McDonald. Hooray, hip hip hooray, the day has finally come. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh, Andrew McDonald is no more. We do not have to see any more snow angels flopping around on the ice. Um, we do not have to see any more just awful front net play. Um, He's gone. He's gone. They bought him out. It's over. The nightmare is finally over. Um, I think what Fletcher needs to do now is sign his RFAs. And the one that's making me nervous is, is Ivan Provorov because on Twitter, you know, there's like, there's some rumors out there that he is asking for North of $8 million. And I got to be honest, I like Ivan Provorov. I bought his jersey last year. I think he's going to be here for a long time as a number one defenseman. I'm not paying Ivan Provorov $8 million. There's no way in hell I'm, I'm paying him $8 million. Not right now. Um, because if he's worth $8 million right now after the season that he had, what is he going to be worth in three to four years when he actually reaches his peak? He's a 21-year-old defenseman right now playing 25 minutes a night. He was due for a little bit of regression. He had a very strong season in 2017. Last year, he was asked to do too much. He was asked to do too much to carry a team that was not built to win with a lame duck coach in a bad situation in the second half with no goaltending. That's it. That's the season in a nutshell for Ivan Provorov. I I don't know that you can throw a 21-year-old in that situation and expect him to just give you 25 minutes a night and not have problems. That's just not how it works with, with no goaltender behind you now. And that's sort of why I question maybe there, maybe his agent is saying, Hey, look, this guy did everything you wanted him to do. And he's going to do that and be even better this year. So you can, if you pay him $8 million now, it's a steal. Uh, Okay, that's fine, but I'm still of the, I'm kind of old school. I'm still of the mindset. You need to prove that you're an $8 million player. 
And I think he's shown that he can be in the future. Uh, but $8 million, I mean, Claude Drew makes $8 million. Jake Voracek makes $8 million. Those guys are borderline elite players. Ivan Provorov is not a borderline elite player yet. He's not an elite defenseman. Now, you cannot just go out and get 25-minute-a-night guys and pull them off of the vine. They're not... They're hard to find. So that I understand. And that's probably what Provorov's agent is fighting for. Um, I do believe he or Sanheim will be the Flyers' number one defenseman. But I still think this year he needs to go out and prove that. So maybe the Flyers are offering six. Provorov wants eight. Maybe they come in at seven. I can probably sleep at night with Ivan Provorov getting $7 million because I do think that in three years, that's a steal. So I'm hoping that this doesn't take, this doesn't go into camp. I hope that they can sign him. Um, I don't, you know, God forbid someone decides to offer sheet him to some kind of ridiculous number and then the Flyers have to match it. I mean, Fletcher's got to be careful with that as well. So uh, it should be interesting with to see what happens with Provorov. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but I, I, I hope he gets signed and I hope it's not a, not an $8 million cap hit. Um, elsewhere, uh, the Flyers went ahead and, um, did some things last night in the draft. Uh, they had the 11th pick and there were some really good forwards on the table. Uh, Cole Caulfield, um, Peyton Krebs, uh, some really nice dynamic little forwards. The Flyers, uh, Fletcher opted to trade with Arizona. He traded back three spots from 11 to 14. Got a second rounder back from the Justin Braun trade. That's what I forgot to mention. They, when they traded for Justin Braun, they gave up a second rounder this year and a third rounder next year, which I thought that price was a little hefty. So they recouped that second pick just by trading back three spots, which is a really good move, I think. And and now the, the, the Braun move, doesn't feel as, um, it, you know, it doesn't feel like it's hurt your wallet all that much. <clears throat> so they, uh, you know, instead of going forward, they actually went Cam York, uh, a defenseman. And, you know, I saw a lot of people kind of really being negative about this move. And I think I was ambivalent at first, but um, I thought, you know, maybe they go forward here, get a dynamic player. But <clears throat> when you think about it, at forward, the organization is has a little bit of a logjam right now. And sure, they need to figure out the right wing on the third line. But the, the consensus is that the next guy up is Morgan Frost. He's, he, he's borderline ready. And I got to be honest, Joel Farabee is not far behind. He, he's, he's looking like the real deal. And then behind him, you've got Isaac Ratcliffe, who's knocking on the door. So they have three forwards right now who look like they're, they're ready in the next two years. There's nowhere to put those guys right now. You don't want to bring those any of those guys up and have them play on the fourth line. Uh, the Flyers' top six is pretty much set in stone for the considerable future. So the the cupboard is you know the cupboard is stacked. I think with forward right now, um, and so I think what Fletcher was looking at was the fact that their next big their next good defenseman uh, they don't have that right now. You know. The guys that, you know, have been there, those those next guys up, they're here now. Travis Sanheim's here. Phil Myers, is, he was the last guy who was like the next big defenseman up. He's here. Um, Sam Moran's here. So you don't have that next uh, big defenseman. I mean, you have a couple guys. You get Linus Hoberg. Um, you have a couple guys that were, I think, Gunnarsson. You have a couple guys who you drafted uh, last year, but Jackson Ivany. Those guys aren't ready. They're nowhere near ready. So uh, Cam York is 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 a smart player. He's a, he plays a good, strong two hundred foot game. He's got smarts and he's big. And that's one thing that Fletcher I think is doing differently than Hextall is that he's he's bringing size back to Philadelphia. The Flyers have been too small, too easy to play against, too easy to push around for too long. And Fletcher's clearly going with size. It's what he did with Hayes. It's what he did with Braun. And um, he is doing that here with Cam York. He's a big dude. Uh, so I, I like the move. I think it makes sense for the organization. Now you, you are restocking the defensive cupboard a little bit. And because uh, the other thing is you can't leave Lehigh Valley bare either. 
You know what I mean? The only guy down there is like Mark Friedman. So you got to have somebody waiting in the wings who is your next big prospect. And on defense, they just didn't have that. So um, now for round, you know, for rounds two and three, two through six, you can focus on forward, try to get a value there. So I'm fine with that move. I think the, I think Chuck Fletcher did a nice job recouping the second pick and then going with a need there. Best player available, but a need. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with the Flyers. Uh, we talked 20 minutes about the Flyers. Mostly p- have positive stuff to say about the Flyers. But I got to tell you, we're going to go in a completely different direction with the Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to go, we're going to take a nosedive here. Because that's what this team is doing. Uh, I'm going to be real negative here. This team isn't good. This Phillies team is not a good team. And for what, I mean, for how good they looked early on, and even when, even when they started to struggle, um, a little bit, even even when they went out and, and, and lost that, that series to L.A., you were like, all right, well, you know, it's early on. L.A.'s just killing the baseball right now. They're good all over the place. Uh, Philly's hung with them a little bit. They're not in that league yet. I could live with that. What is happening right now is beyond understanding. It's inexplicable. I've said this to everybody that I've talked to. I have no earthly explanation for what has happened to this team. They can't hit. They, their pitching has, is up and down depending on the day. They have no fifth starter. They have no bullpen. They, they can't rake. They don't hit home runs. They don't bring in runners with, in scoring position. What does this team do right now? What we're watching with this Phillies team, I, I got to be honest, it looks like a team that has given up. And I, it's unfathomable almost to, to, to consider that based on where they were early on. I mean, let's get into this. I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about what has happened with the Phillies. They've lost... Four, I have to find the number. They, they've out of their out of their last twenty games, they've lost fourteen. Uh, they're they've lost five games in a row. They just lost to the Marlins. They were swept by the Washington Nationals. They were they they lost. They should have been swept by the Braves, who are by far the second best team in the National League and the best team in the division. They went from being 10 games over 500 to three games above 500 and four and a half games back in the division. It is just a stunning, stunning reversal of fortune with this team. A a stunning reversal. And that's the only, I, I mean, that's the only way I can explain it. And the most damning thing is that it's all the players have no there's there's no response there's no fight there's no there's no pushback with this team right now they are dead they're dead they have no fight you you just, it just feels like every time they get down they get down one nothing two nothing and you're like that's it they're de- to score one run against Sandy Alcantara last night in, in against the Marlins, you scored one run against the Marlins. And that's really been the story for this Phillies team. For the pet, like they score one run, they'll get shut out. They'll score two runs. It, it's just this lineup for how good this lineup looked on paper is shockingly bad. Shockingly bad. Uh, and it all kind of stems back to the Andrew McCutcheon thing. The, you know, the, the, the whole Gene Segura run it out, or you stumbling out of the batter's box, not running hard, then Andrew McCutcheon tears his ACL. Gone, boom, done. 
this team fell apart after Andrew McCut after losing Andrew McCutcheon. They lost their leadoff hitter, and it's like all of a sudden this team doesn't know how to do anything. That just can't be. I am an Andrew McCutcheon fan. I love that dude. You can't just lose one player and then just have the whole damn thing fall down like a house of cards. It, it just, that's a, to me, that's a sign of a weak clubhouse and a weak team and a weak manager. Uh, and I like Gabe Kapler. I like Gabe Kapler probably more than, than I should. Um, because I understand that right now he's working with nothing. He's working with nothing in the bullpen. He's got, he's got, I mean, you can't blame him for most of the pitching that's happened. You can't blame him for most of that. They've lost seven guys to, to injury in the bullpen. Um, you, they're throwing out Juan Nicasio. They're throwing out Edgar Garcia. You, like they, they're just, they're throwing out JD Hammer. I mean, these, these guys aren't good enough that you can't blame Gabe Kapler for, 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 bullpen implosions. Look at what he's got to work with. You can blame somebody for the hitting problems though. I do think you can blame somebody for the hitting problems because this team is, is they're uncom they're non-competitive at the plate. They are non-competitive at the plate. I mean, just, just go up the line, up and down the lineup. You have JT Realmuto. You have Reese Hoskins. You have Bryce Harper. I mean, those three guys should be getting it done, and they're just not. And I got to tell you something right now. The Delco's coming out at me right now because I'm getting fired up. I got to tell you something right now. Bryce, my man, I love you. I'm really happy you're here. But, dude, you're not getting it done. You're not getting it done here. I love the hustle. I'm not Johnny Hustle. I, you know, hey, I th- hustle's great. I think you're a pro athlete. You need to hustle. But dude, we didn't bring you here to run into walls and, you know, have your helmet flying off trying to steal home and getting tagged out. You need, we brought you here to hit. We brought you here to be a dynamic, elite offensive force. When's the last time Bryce Harper hit a home run? He's got 12 on the year. This is, we're almost at July. He has 12 home runs. He's hitting 242. He's a 0.5 win above replacement. I, I mean, his on base percentage is down to 802. He's about to drop below 800. Uh, uh, this, we're not getting, and listen, I don't want to do the whole, we pay, we're paying him $330 million. Like I thought that, you know, that was happening real early this season. But now that I think we're seeing that this is not just an isolated incident, there's real concern here. And it, it, again, it's not just him. It's not just Bryce Harper. It's, it's the entire team, which leads me to believe there's something else going on here, which I'll get to in a second. But this is supposed to be your guy. This is the guy you brought here to, to, to take this team to contender status. He has completely underwhelmed. I mean, it's to the point where he gets up there and you and, and you wonder, is this going to be a, a soft ground out? Is this going to be a, a pop fly to the outfield? Is this going to be a strikeout? You, you, it's, it's, it's just beyond comprehension what's going on right now and he's had slumps before we you knew that bringing Bryce Harper and you knew that he was going to have slumps sluggers slump but I mean I don't know any other way to say other than he's been completely underwhelming and under he has underperformed dramatically and we need more from Bryce Harper right now we just we need a heck of a lot more from a former MVP a former rookie of the year a former a player who people have projected to be a, a future Hall of Famer. We need him to step up. And look, again, I know he's out there trying to make stuff happen on the base paths. But dude, you're not helping us by getting tagged out at home, by getting tagged out at third, by taking the extra base at second, getting tagged out there. Like you got, you're not helping. He's not helping. 
Reese Hoskins isn't helping. Reese Hoskins is in the midst of one of his, again, one of his month-long slumps. You know, it's it's reminiscent of Ryan Howard in his later years, where you know it's like he he gets you. He's a guy who could who can carry you on his back, but he just disappears for lengthy periods. His numbers are better than Harper's. I mean, he's hitting 272, 15 home runs. He's a, a game and a half win above replacement. OB, you know, OPS of 915. So his numbers on the surface are okay. He's slugging 517, but he he hasn't helped lately either. In the games that they've lost, he's been, you know, he, he hasn't done much of anything. You know, JT Realmuto, uh, he's another guy who's kind of gone cold, hitting 265. His wins above replacement is always going to be high because he's one of the best catchers in the game. He's a 2.2. His OPS is 7.57, which for a catcher isn't too bad. But again, 10 home runs, 36 RBIs. It's, it's these, these, these guys aren't good enough. And then, Look, I know that you didn't. We didn't count on losing McCutcheon. We didn't count on uh, Odubel Herrera being a domestic abuser. Allegedly, we'll say that allegedly, because you know, hey, innocent until proven guilty, I guess. But it's not looking good. He's not. He's done here. I mean, let's be honest. Odubel Herrera is done here, and as well, he should be probably. If if this is all true, he should be. Michael Franco is Michael Franco. Let's be honest. He's done here because this organization cannot afford to continue down this path with Michael Franco second year season in a row. His, his position has been basically taken from him. You're putting Sean Rodriguez and Brad Miller out there because you can't trust Michael Franco and not defensively because defensively Michael Franco is pretty good. But he is an absolute nothing at the plate right now. He gives you absolutely nothing. He's hitting something like 164 since May 1st. I mean, he's you can't use him. And the Phillies, Matt Klentak needs to figure out what the move is. And he made a mistake in retrospect. He made a mistake not going out and making an upgrade there at third base. I mean, Alec Baum, who was just promoted to AAA, could be your starting third baseman in September. That's where we're at with third base right now because you don't have a third baseman. They're not even, I mean, they're not even using Michael Franco to, to pinch hit. You just can't. You just can't use the guy. He's just, he's, he's, I just think this experiment is over with him. It has to be. He went from looking like he was going to be the world's greatest eight-hole hitter to just falling completely onto his face again. And I think the Phillies need to move on from him. But, you know, this with this Phillies team, it is, it's time to answer some, some really difficult questions. It's, it's, it's put up or shut up time with this Phillies team. Really is. Are they contenders? Are they pretenders? Because you know what? Right now, they look a lot like pretenders to me. And I just, there's no other explanation. I've been a, you know, I've been an athlete. I was about to say pro athlete. I wish. I've been an athlete at a pretty high level. I've been a division one NCAA athlete. I, I, I understand, even if I never ascended to that level myself, like of the, of the performance levels that I wanted to, or some of the people that I competed against, I, I understand what it takes to be at that level. So I understand that being a pro athlete is difficult. I also understand there's a mental aspect to this. It's very mental. If you don't believe that it's very mental, then you've never been an athlete. Something is going on with this team. I don't know if it's that they've given up on Kapler. I don't know if it's that the message has been lost. I don't know if it's that when they lost McCutcheon, they're just feeling down on themselves. I don't know if, if it's because of the injuries. They They just... I don't, I don't know. I, I can't explain what's going on. But when I watch this Phillies team, when I watch the non-competitive at-bats, when I watch the, the base running mistakes, 
when I watch the pitching mistakes, I just I, I can't help but think that they're that the mental makeup of this team has completely gone into the toilet. And the only the person that's responsible, the athletes are responsible for themselves, yes. But the person that's responsible for keeping this ship afloat is the manager and the coaching staff. So what is the message that is being given to this team right now? Is, is that message being taken seriously is, or has it been lost? I, I don't know. But is Gabe Kapler going to survive this? Is John Maley going to survive this? I, don't, I can't see how John Maley survives the weekend if they lose the series to the Marlins. If they lose this series to the Marlins, John Maley should not have a job on Monday. There's no way in, in heck that John Maley should have a job on Monday. You were given a lineup that on paper possessed four all-stars. Four all-star, maybe five all-star caliber players if Franco hadn't fallen down on his face. Uh, to, to look at what they're doing right now, to, hit, to collectively hit 230 as a team over the last month, is horrendous. I cannot fathom how that is happening right now. Again, the pitching, Aaron Nola hasn't been Aaron Nola. Nick Pavetta had a, survived a demotion and came back up. Zach Eflin's been great. Jake Arrieta will give you one strong game and then two games where he gets hit around the ballpark. You're, you have no fifth starter. I'm done with Cole Irvin. Stop putting Cole Irvin out there. Cole Irvin is not an, a major league pitcher. Jared Eikhoff is, is, I think he's done. He's not a major league pitcher. Now, he did just go on the IL. So it's, it's hard to know now if, if he's cooked or if he was just this nagging injury was, is the thing that's caused him to throw 18, to, to, to give up 18 home runs in his last 28 innings. I guess that remains to be seen, but he looked cooked to me. Pat Neshek, cooked, done. Get him off my team. Dude Dude can play once a week, that's it. And he can't even do that right now. He's 39. It's time to move on. Vince Velasquez. I, they have no choice. They have to start Vince Velasquez today. They're going to they're gonna have to start Ranger Suarez tomorrow. They, they don't have a choice right now. This is where they're at with the pitching staff. And, you know, for all the people out there that want them to go out and make a major move, sign Mike Miner, sign or trade for Madison Bumgarner, for who, for what right now? Why would Matt Klentak go out and give up prospects for a team that is about to, that, that the team that is in free fall and looks like it has no end in sight? It looks like it has no ability to pull out of it. There's no way I would go out and make a trade for a, for a starting pitcher if this continues. It just doesn't make sense. You might as well just continue with what you have. So, Klentak, for all the good that he did this offseason, he's got to take some heat for not addressing third base and starting pitching. For trusting that Vince Velasquez was going to be your fifth starter and that Nick Pavetta was going to come out and, and be the number two guy that you hoped he would. And he's showing that maybe he's coming back a little bit, but the early season demotion didn't help. And Aaron Nola, nice outing last night against the Marlins, but it was the Marlins. Threw 117 pitches, came out in the eighth inning. Pretty good. Offense couldn't help him out, unfortunately. But Aaron Nola hasn't been Aaron Nola. And it's very reminiscent of 2009 Cole Hamels. So I don't think that that's really, truly what's going on or what, what, what is indicative of Aaron Nola right now. I think Aaron Nola is a lot better than that. But boy, he's got to figure it out and figure it out quick because this team needs him more than anything. I mean, if he's Aaron Nola of last year, the, the team's probably better. I don't, he, doesn't help their, he doesn't help the offense. But he hasn't, I mean, he, he, he hasn't looked like all-star Aaron Nola by any means. So, man, uh, geez, I'm trying to think about if that's it. Uh, I just, 
got a lot off my chest there and, you know, hit us up on Twitter and, and let us know if you feel the same. I mean, we'll put a, we'll try to put a poll up later, but like, what do you guys think about this team right now? It, it, are they this bad? Is this an underperforming team? Is this a team that has just given up on its manager? Um, yeah, I don't know. But I watch, I, I, I'm at the point where it is very difficult for me to watch this team right now. It's, it's really difficult to watch this kind of baseball. Uh, baseball was supposed to be fun this year. And it's anything but fun right now. It is anything but fun. It's, it's a dreadful watch. It really is. And I hate to be this negative. I really do. But it is a dreadful watch on TV. You know, I used to put the Phillies on in April and May and think like, you know, open it, you know, have a drink. Think like, all right, you know, open the screen door, get a little breeze going, watch some baseball. Summer's here. And now it's just a, it's just a chore. It's a chore to watch this team. It, it's, it's almost like a punishment to put myself through that. That's just not what I thought this team would be. Someone has to figure out, somebody has got to identify what the problem is with this offense. Some, excuse me. Someone has to figure this problem out because this should not be happening. Bryce Harper should be better. Realmuto should be better. Hoskins should be better. They all should just be better than this. It should not be this easy to, to crack this lineup as, a, as an opposing pitcher. And I'm not talking about Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is very good. You got to bring your A game for Max Scherzer. Max, this team was never going to beat Max Scherzer the way it's been going right now. This team was never going to beat Pat Corbin either. So the way this team is going right now, the, the elite guys are going to eat this team for lunch. But they they can't even get wins against like Eric Fetty or Sandy Alcantara. They can't even beat these guys. That is the most concerning thing to me it, is, is that... It, it's almost like these guys have no, do they look, they just look dead. They look like they're out of gas. So someone has to, you know, I, I don't know what, if John Middleton, Middleton can do anything, but I'm sure he's not happy. I don't know what Matt Clintac can do, but some serious conversations need to start being had. They really do because this team, this is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. So, yeah, man, I, I I feel like I just got it all off my chest there with this Phillies team. But, you know, they're four games out of it. It's not like it's an it's not an insurmountable climb yet, but it's about to be. I mean, the Nationals now are within striking distance of second place. They can't fool around with this thing. They got to get going. They got to keep the Braves close. You have to beat the the Marlins. You have to beat the Mets. You have to beat the Nationals. You can't go get swept by the Nationals. You can't do it. So they just got to find a way to pull out of this. They got to go on a run. They got to go on a run and get some distance between them and the Nationals, and then keep the Braves close somehow. But again, I don't know how they're going to do it if the offense doesn't get addressed. That is the single biggest need that needs to be addressed with the Phillies right now. Some of the the pitching, the the bullpen's looking like it's it's gonna start forming back up again. Adam Morgan's back. You should get Tommy Hunter back. He was throwing pretty good in Clearwater. You should be getting Robert uh, or David Robertson back pretty soon. You get those guys back, then your bullpen's starting to to you know to come back together. Unfortunately, you're not getting Andrew McCutcheon back. You're not getting Adubel Herrera back, and and I I don't really think we want him back at this point. Michael Franco's done. Um, so you've got a patchwork outfield. You have Jay Bruce out there. Who, who knows how long this can keep going on with his offensive numbers. You're going to be putting Roman Quinn in at times to, you know, to let Scott Kingery, uh, I guess, supposedly play third base. I don't know. I, I think they're going to keep him in center field. Um, the bench is horrific. I mean, Nick Williams can't play. Sean Rodriguez is what he is. Andrew Knapp stinks. His team just has so many more problems than we foresaw, I think, early on. The, this, the lack of bench, the lack of, of reliever depth, the, the, ugh, the bench is, is, is not helping the offense either. Andrew Knapp stinks. 
Sean Rodriguez is a 10-year veteran who probably is just at best an, an average bench guy. Brad Miller is meh. He's whatever. You needed another guy to play third base. You have Scott Kingery, who's your best hitter playing center field. You can't blame Klentak for, you know, you can't blame him for Mike Alfranco falling off the table, although I think he could have addressed third base in the offseason. You can't blame him for Odubel Herrera doing what he did. So there are things that, you know, obviously have happened. This team has been snake bit with injuries. Obviously, that's none of that's Matt Klentak's fault. But boy, he's got a lot of, of, of stuff to think about here. Um, and I think that's where we're just going to wrap up today because honestly, I don't know how much more negativity I have in me. Um, I didn't want this to be this negative of, of a podcast, but man, it, we haven't, you know, we haven't flown high for, for a while here, especially with the Phillies. So, uh, you know, I thought it was important to, to get a lot of, uh, all of what's been going on off, off my chest. And, um, I know I just talked to Pete and he said, he'd try to get this up as, as soon as possible. Um, you know, I appreciate you guys listening. And, uh, you know, I get, we'll try to get some Twitter polls up and, and see what you guys think about the Phillies. Is this season over? Can they pull out of this? You know, what, what, what do we do here? Is there an answer? Is there a trade that can happen that, that, that can pull this team out of it? Is there a coaching change that you'd like to see? Um, are there benchings that need to happen? You tell us. Um, because I think between myself and Pete and, and, and everyone else that I talk to, the, uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is. So... Uh, in short, Flyers good, Philly's bad. Uh, this has been Flying High uh, with Justin Flying Solo with you. Um, hopefully we'll catch you guys again soon. So